and nobody misses like this, man. It's crazy. Welcome back, everybody. Backlash Radio, Anthony Pino from the Blood Money and Hook Optics, and Nick Carullo from the Wire Transfer and Front Runner Boats. Back again, just finished the Mid-Atlantic up here in, in Maryland. Um, decent enough fishing. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. How about you, Nikki? Nice. How are you, buddy? How's it going? It's going well, man. How's your week? Um, the Mid-Atlantic was okay. Um, there was finally the water that, that they had been fishing way up north. The big, massive eddy that they've been fishing off of Long Island and Massachusetts for a long time. And finally, so was the, finally, was the cabia right that some, something fierce was coming? Yeah, I mean, we did. We ran up there. I, we ran 135 miles to start the, on the first on the on day two, which was the first day for fishing for most people. 135 miles um, from Ocean City to the to about northeast of the Tom's Canyon, kind of where I the last time I fished the Jimmy Johnson, I was fishing. <laughs> so it sucked, but uh, we started the day with a double. Um, Sean on the Viking boat started picking at him. I think he caught four, four out of six or in the first, like first 45 minutes or something like that. And I got in there and caught a double out of a triple. And then that was kind of it for me till the end of the day. I caught one, but Sean had a good day. John Duffy had a great day. He caught 10. Um, lots of boats had 10, 10 or more bites. So yeah, Mark was right. Um, they were there. They were there. Um, and then proceeding on the rest of the week, you know, it, we got a little closer um, the second day. I, I was super frustrated. I think, you know, going three for four when when some of your peers catch 10 right next to you and you're just kind of not you're not understanding. I was kind of it was a long ride. It was always going to be a long ride back, but it was a longer ride back for me. Um, <laughs> and then the next day. Yeah. It sucked. At least like, it was I calm, just, though, right? It was calm, yeah. And I just was, I just was, I, I don't know. You know, some days like the turn off. can't get it going. You know, that's right. Can't, couldn't get it going. You're so. off, dude. You're off. You're I off. Never, I never really found a dot like that. I felt real good about. Oh, the what are the the sweet spot? Chris Kubik, uh, I think he caught like a dozen the first day or something like that. But he only he had like one bite the before noon so um there were a couple of boats that like quite a few boats that did really well and then the next day we fished we laid a day and we fished and ran up to the carteret and i kind of was running through the carteret and i got a text from duffy like earlier earlier he was kind of in the it was also six foot the whole way up there so i was behind our our two idols tuck and rich barrett i was tucked in behind them um going into a 10 foot or not 10 foot a six foot head sea and it was a good place to be so we made like 28 knots up there and there was another group way ahead of us and duffy he he was up he texted me he goes man it looks good and it really good just outside the carteret he goes i'm still running up up to the north and then i ran through there and i said man it looks really good here and I ran up a little further and, and uh, someone stopped there and mowed them. Uh, a couple of boats stopped there. Chester on the lights out stopped there. My buddy, Anthony Matarese on the real chaos stopped there. Um, um, a couple other boats. Raul was there. He had a good day there and they started picking on him. And I finally got down there and we hooked one and we fought it for like 40 minutes. And I got down there finally and, Anthony was like six for eight next time I heard from him in the first couple hours and Chester was having a great day. And I get down there and we fight one for like almost an hour. Um, wasn't big enough. And then, uh, then we started picking at him. We missed a double. Then we missed another double. And then I think we saw a blue Marlin. So we ended up like the day day two. Yeah. Day two. So that was like three for Go ahead. No, go, go, go. And then that was like three for eight or nine, I think, and missed the blue. So that was better on my part. So you had some shots, yeah. Yeah. So, but um, 
what did Rich Barrett won something that was in this tournament or uh, that was the shark uh that was the um uh, not the shark the shark bites the booty runs um that was the uh the beach haven tournament what, of, right after is right before actually okay right before, what they won top most releases or top boot yeah i think they won like eighty thousand dollars eighty ninety thousand dollars but they won top boot so nice congratulations to rich and pete yeah and the guys on the shark bite that's the man um, yeah i always tell him he's I, I think i told him after the mid-atlantic i was like you're my hero and he goes well you need higher standards or something like that but <laughs> i don't believe that um so yeah the we were like three for nine which is pretty pretty abnormal for our group but it was i was just i felt a little bit better about being able to get some bites um there was a couple boats the trash man and the big stick that had like 20 plus bites caught like 15 15 16 each so where were they like just south of me like i could see him on the horizon i just i just figured i'd meander over there like an idiot so just letting them letting them just roll, run away with it man I, I I don't know if it's my radios. I, I just catch I mean I heard heard the big stick quite a few times. I I didn't know I don't know the trash man, so I don't like know his voice. So I definitely heard the big stick quite a few times, but I don't I feel like I'm getting half of what's going on, you know. Cause now there's no like there's no talking on the radio beyond calling your fish in, you know, and there's no rules really in the tournaments that say you need to call your fish in. Yeah. So in the White Marlin Open, it's kind of a courtesy, which I think there should be rules that, you know, that kind kind of even it out again. But it was my like I I could literally see them, but I was like getting bites, and I was like, I'll just it, there's fish here, there's fish there. I'll just meander over there. My my friend Anthony was like he had twelve bites before noon, right where I was. So I was like, and I was I was seeing them, but I should have I should have just fished down that way or ran down that way a little bit quicker. Cause I could see him there on the, on the horizon. And then, uh, so, and then, so we have three for nine that day. That was only 107 miles. So that was good. And then the next day I started outside the Linden coal and the, the fleet was massive, like 80, 80 boats, 50, 80 boats probably. And, uh, I stopped and I, I was like, got out there I'm looking around and I find this bait this big bait ball and I'm marking a couple of Marlins. I'm like, got a couple targets. Thankfully this, this tournament, you could put your sonar down before, which is awesome. Um, and I'm like marking targets, marking targets. I'm like, ah, and nobody is in like, or there's a giant fleet, but I got like a half mile in any direction. I'm like, all right. So we set out and it's like, we catch our first one at eight eleven. Like the for the bite was probably eight eight oh three eight oh four and we catch one catch one miss a double um and then everybody kind of gets in on me and there were some other bites every like there was a lot of fish there but there was a lot of boots so then I ran up to um with a Carteret where the catch twenty three had caught like six and I ran up to them and they caught a seventy five pounder up there I think there were third place third place overall or for white marlin like a 75 pounder yeah, yeah third then, place yeah so i ran up How there that the first end. place boat end up winning the first place boat was i don't think he was in all the calcuttas it was like 200 grand two, 250 grand and then the boss hog was second place the the first place boat um i believe it was called common sense um with an 87 pounder holy moly and that's uh a, that's a stud yeah and then the the boss hog which is a charter boat at a sunset ran by a guy i used to fish with brian porter um and um, a couple boys that had fished with me a couple times alex and jack are the mates um alex is actually the captain during the week and i think they won they won like 101.4 million or something like that 1.5 million second place so um but overall, I mean, the fishing was good, which is all you could really ask for. And then, you know, we we'd never really saw one that was like real big. So, but I the last day we were like six for six for eight or nine. So I was pretty happy about that. We caught one at 
we hooked one at 329 and 30 seconds oh wow so that was that was fun i mean i've yeah, always i never got the that. yeah i'd never done a buzzer beater like that so it was kind of cool to do that yeah so that's awesome yeah man nice so so now everybody's left and it's just us and the fish i hope so there you go now you're gonna go out there and catch 30 one day god i hope so i hope so so we got this three day two or three days of northeast wind and hopefully we'll get out there and that water pushes a little bit closer it really hasn't pushed pushed down since since then so so um I guess we're going to make a whole podcast out of a listener question. If you want to, do you want to read it? Jacob Holder. Hey guys, fishing most of my life. I started on a 19 skiff, moved up to a 35 well craft with trip brados. And now they're on a 38 fountain with trip 400s. And now they are in the market for sport fish, 55 to 70 foot range. Their budget is, is around 2 million. Any suggestions on what brand to start with? Obviously used seen a whole bunch of vikings and can you guys talk about getting into the market for sport fish what's a good size brand etc yeah i'm super this is one thing on the old pod um that i really wanted to talk about and we never did so i'm super excited to get in the weeds of this because i'm kind of passionate about you know getting people into the right boat so they can be in in fishing for and boat ownership for as long as they want to be because i've seen when i was a kid and even now you see you see boats come and go after a year or two because of various situations maybe the owner overextended himself on the boat that he wanted to buy maybe he didn't have a great combination as a captain you know maybe something just the engine blew up and he was like i'm not going to deal with that you know like yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of things that i feel like determine what what people are what people what boats people should be in and i think it's and i'm super passionate about getting getting people in the boats that they can be in as long as they want to be in and not have to be burdened or forced out of the industry you know so i, I i'm super passionate about this so yeah um so what are your thoughts yeah i mean he's in a it's a fun stage to be in. I've been there myself, uh, kind of in it right now a little bit as well. But past few years, I've been fortunate enough to do some really cool rebuilds on some really cool boats um, and, you know, go through the uh, process of looking at different boats and, you know, what was the best for the boss at the time and, you know, newer or more on the used side and then doing the refits of our standards and what we liked. And, um, but yeah, it's been in, it's a great process regardless. And, uh, you get to definitely learn the boat when you do stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, for Jacob's question, I mean, you know, brand, you know, it's hard to say brand, but you know, you can never go wrong with a Viking, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, let's think about this in, in his situation. You know, going from 38, eight footer to let's call it mid fifties, mid, mid 50 footer, 50 to 55, 60 footer, man, like the jump and the maintenance. So I think certain things that he's got to take that somebody, not, not necessarily just Jacob, but somebody looking in to get in, in into a, into a midsize, I guess you'd call 55 feet, a midsize sport fisher these days yeah. even on the small Probably side, a smaller, yeah, smaller side, <laughs> but I think you got to re- you got to kind of get in your mind and be like understand are you going to maintain the boat as a like as an owner um operator or as a family maybe or are you going to have have a captain to maintain the boat and a, and a mate you know depending on what you know where you what you want your program to be um I would say in my experience, I started my captain career out on a boat that I had actually started on not not the same boat, but the same same boat, uh, fifty six Viking. Um, I started my mate career and my captain career on on boat on two different fifty six Vikings, and so I love that boat. You know, I think it's a it's a lot of boat for the money. It's a lot of 
range and decent speed for the for the for the money and the size and um if you're just getting into it it's hard to break hard to get away from viking because yeah. the the customer customer support um just being able to ask other viking people like if you like if you're in a 52 viking there's there's a chance that there's a 52 viking on the dock you know they're not that different so yeah. when you, you know you can find people that to help you sort out problems so i think the the main thing is you got to understand that there's gonna be problems because it's a boat so you just have to figure what's the easiest way for you to deal with it you know so i i think that thinking about how you're going to maintain the boat what your budget is for the boat and then a maintenance budget because what if i what a what a and what upgrades you would on a yeah you know, keeping yeah. it in, keeping your budget in the mind as well as what upgrades you want to do to the boat right. you know yeah, uh, you think about it like if you have a certain budget. If I were a broker, I would be like, let's try to find something below your budget. Uh, try to find the best boat below your budget, and then maybe up make some upgrades if you need it. Like for me, like me, me and you have talked at nauseum about the sonar. Like I think that's a given. Like if you don't, if you buy a boat with a sonar, um. Or without a sonar, you gotta get you yeah. get one. You know, yeah. it's we'll see keeper point, too. I mean, I think they, yeah. like I mean, I know you don't have one, but um, I think they're pretty hand in hand. <laughs> yes, yeah. and uh, yeah, I think that you you look at a boat without those two features. I think they're they're pretty essential. And if you're you're looking at you know spending two million dollars, you know those two upgrades are not they're big upgrades but they're not they're not huge in the budget so you, i think if you could find something that fits your budget below it and then make yeah. the upgrades um i think cost of ownership is a huge understanding what exactly the cost of ownership is going to be is going to be is is a huge variable you know because I, I i see it people some people don't have any problem stroking the check for the boat that's not a big deal but then next thing you know you know are you let's say there's two vikings ones you know rigs kind of ready to go turnkey but it's got super high hours or one that's got lower hours and less upgrades where do you stand on that i don't know because it all depends you know you you, you got to look at who was taking care of it how how the high hour boat was taken care of you know like if you're looking at a boat like i i feel like his the boats that he's going to be looking at is probably going to be like oh two to oh eight time time frame area right so we're looking at at that time frame you know a boat with no hours on it is going to be you're going to have like a lot of gremlins from it just sitting you know what yeah. i mean yeah. so uh, but then we we go forward and you you go to a boat that's used from that age and we we both work on boats that are your boats older um i mean i go i'm fixing stuff all the time you know it's crazy how, yeah. how much you know we're we're, we're we work been working through some challenges this year on the blood money that haven't been pleasant to the to just the amount of work and the the wallet you know so yeah. you're looking at I'd, i think you'd have to really do your due diligence on the high hour one you have to do your due diligence on both but the high hour boat really look into the maintenance schedules for the boat for the engines and how the boat was taken care of i mean like five thousand hours for a boat of that age is not really that many hours you know it's 500 hours a year basically yeah, yeah it's not that 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 much if you think about it and you know the thing about getting a boat that has higher hours is that if the boat was used the issues have have been addressed as they come Versus like a boat that's not used, then you just have all the issues as it goes, and it might check out well in survey, and then you start using the boat as a as a boat as as a boat designed to be is designed to be used. Put five hundred hours on it in the first year, you're just going to be like, whoa, a lot of broken stuff on this boat, and a lot of it's going to be. Some of it's just going to be like the exhaust fan in the bathroom doesn't work, uh, the drawer fell out, you know, and, or it could be more major. You know, yeah. AC pump doesn't work. Like those are in our for us, those are small problems, you know. Yeah. 
So cooling coming out of the engine, different story, you know. So still normal. Yeah. So you could get home. <laughs> Hole in the riser. So um so yeah, you gotta really look at yeah, you know, risers or you talk about the riser, you know. Um those those risers are if you get a boat with four turbos or two turbos on each engine, you know, that's four turbo four risers. If you need to replace them, that's 30 grand. Yeah. 20, eh, like 20 grand. So I think the first thing is to really understand what your budget is, what your budget for the boat is, but also what your budget is to bait maintain to own it. And then understand, are you going to get a captain and or mate? And uh, are they going to maintain? If you're going to get a captain and a mate, you you might be able to go. I you know if you get somebody who's who's pretty mechanically inclined and understands cold molded boats a little bit. I mean, maybe you could delve into the the uh, the custom boat market. Custom boat. Yeah, um, but that like me and you, we could talk about issues we've had. I mean, I haven't had structural issues with our boat. We've been super fortunate. Donnie, our, our boat, 64 Kaysen, um, built by Donnie Kaysen in, in Wilmington, North Carolina, has been, it's been upgraded. The people we bought it from did a lot of work structurally with the foredeck, was the, there was rot in the bow um, and uh, some moisture around the, with the hawse pipes. Um, but it's just custom boats. Like that's just what they are, you know? So, I mean, you, you guys went through a very extensive refit on your boat. Can you elaborate on, I mean, it, explain to people what the buyer transfer is first. And then, yeah, 58 Weaver, 99 hole number one Weaver. Um, and you know, if, if you don't know that it's a wood boat, that's old, really old. So. You know, when I just, when we started doing the refit, you know, obviously engines was a big part of it, but uh, the teak, that was, that was a disaster, especially in the cockpit. We had dry, you know, we had rot everywhere. Not necessarily so not, in the, well, obviously not in the teak because teak doesn't rot, but in the sub deck well, under the, the teak. sub deck. Correct. Correct. So yeah. the whole sub deck, you know, basically, so there's no floor, just basically the fuel tank and just starting from scratch there um so that was a big project um and you know even in some other areas like on the on the bow deck you know your, your little hatch up there you know that's original you know with the boat yeah and that was all the hatch for the, the anchor locker no for yeah. like the the actual escape hatch like, or yeah 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 um yeah. you know that was all rotted around that so we had to get a new hatch and then cut, you know, cut, cut a couple inches around that perimeter, make a new, you know, perimeter with the, for the new lid and everything. So, you know, that's, you know, that's a big project itself. And then interior, we basically gutted the entire interior of the boat, you know, from headliners, this boat had wallpaper, um, countertops, carpet, runners, couches. All the soft goods. I mean, we didn't we didn't really cut any corners on it. Yeah. Let's. I guess. I guess we should before we like we get in our custom boats a little bit. We should probably go through the the two main decisions you're going to make make on boat construction and brands. Um. Basically, there's two types of boats in sport fishing in the sport fishing world. For Jacob, um, there's the 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 production fiberglass basically fiberglass comes out of a mold they lay it up in a mold they actually build the hole from the outside in you know they they set the gel coat and you're you're probably well versed in it at front runner because the, the the production center console and production big boats are not that much different when it comes to the way they're built but they lay the the, the exterior gel coat and then they lay the glass the finishing glass and then they lay the the structural glass under that and then it's basically just layers upon layers of, of fiberglass and stringers and what that'll what fiberglass 
over fiberglass is going to give you is a is great strength, but fiberglass over fiberglass, the strength to weight ratio is not as good. So you need more more fiberglass versus a cold molded custom boat um like we we work on so they're gonna have to lay a, a lot more glass to get the strength that they would get on a custom boat so um vikings or any other production boat tend to be a little heavier burn a little bit more fuel um you know they can you can say what you want about the ride on a viking but you know that's what they have a lot of interior space up in the bow and you kind of get when when you when you make the bow wider up forward, you're going to have not as good of a ride, but I know some of the newer Vikings ride pretty good. So I'm yeah. not going to cast dispersions on the Viking ride. That R56 always got us home. I love that boat. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So there's that, that method of construction. And, you know, like we said, they're built on a production line. So there's more, there's typically, it's not, there's typically another boat that's very similar to your boat that's laid out very similarly has a similar similar uh you know plumbing structure plumbing layout electrical layout and those are all the things to think about when you're just getting into new new boats or getting into a bigger boat because you know you're going to have questions and you're going to have issues um and then you go to the other hand, custom cold molded boats like we have, and our boats are a little bit older now. Um, they basically build them, build the hulls of these boats from the from the inside out. They lay the wood first, and then they laminate la laminate plywood with fiberglass, and then they put finishing glass, fairing compound, and then the paint, and then they flip it over, and they. Hopefully they glass the inside. Some boats are not all glass on the inside. Um, yeah. Glass the inside of the hull. Um, so you're talking about two or three layers of glass versus like, I don't know, 12 or 14 probably. But you have that wood smushed in between the two layers of glass. Um, so there you have to be very, very cognizant of the boat, the custom boat you're looking at, because the 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 layup structure, the lamination schedules and the quality of the lamination can run the gamut, you know, from your, your down home built in a chicken house, charter boat, coal molded boat to a bayless. You know what I mean? There's a lot of different, I, I don't know, I guess the, it just, is it, there's from uh, no custom boat is the same. So like, there's going to be a lot of differences between certain custom boats and how they were built. So, yeah. um, you know that's all something to think about and you know the, the they're all hand handmade so humans are involved and there there will be falls yeah. i, I oh, don't yeah. care how how nice your boat is and if if you watch the bayless videos and we would consider bayless one of the one of the top builders of these boats in the world they're they still talk about in some of their videos about somebody's going to cut into this boat and they want to see they're going to be like, wow, Ho hopefully they're going to be like, wow, this is a really well-built boat. But they still think eventually the way these boats are built, that somebody's going to have to cut into it for one reason or another, you know? Wow. So that's something to think about. Whereas you don't really have to think about water intrusion and rot as much on a custom, on a production boat as you do a custom boat. You know, it's something that's always in the back of our minds. That's for sure. Like I'm super cognizant about if there's a little stress crack, I, I, I dremel it out until I, I find out what's at the bottom of it. You know, if it's just a stress crack, then a little fairing compound, a little paint, and off we go, you know? Yeah. So on a Viking, you get a stress crack, you're like, well, it's a stress crack. You know, nice. we can fix it, but I, I'm not worried about water getting in there and rotting the whole side of the boat. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, um. Yeah, those are the 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 two methods of construction or things to think about and the maintenance like you said you, this the boat that I work on had a rod all around the bow locker and you had the the anchor locker and you had rod around the the bow um hatch the bow hatch you know so and in the deck so that's all things that to think about like I'm right now I'm battling the seams in the deck you know the in the teak deck yeah trying to keep them sealed up because that's where it comes from. If those things aren't sealed up, then chances of rot getting in there are pretty high or oh, yeah. water getting in there and staying in there. 
are pretty high. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of things to think about when you're getting, looking at, at production versus, versus custom, custom. You, you know, some custom builders are very attentive to people that buy used boats and some are not, you know, I will say that when we were, we had the 56 Viking, I could call, call up our call up Viking and be like hall number five, six, eight, five, seven. And they could, they, I had all the, the schematics, oh, but they you, could, yeah, yeah. yeah, but they could actually, if you called them, they could explain the schematics to you. Yeah. I was on a custom boat. They can't do that. No, for, I mean, some people do like on the well, custom some boat, do, but I can tell you, we called for some of ours and they're oh, like, yeah. uh, we don't have that. I was like, yeah, okay. If the guy who did the did the work is still there, then he'll be able to tell you. But if yeah, he's yeah. not, or you yeah, know, some, better luck. Yeah, some custom builders are not in business for whatever reason, and their boats are still out there. And then then you're kind of on your own. So, um, well, even if you're a mechanic, they still are, dude. They're yeah. I mean, so you're not gonna I, get schematics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can. Donnie Kaysen has always been great about picking up the phone for us. And he's always helped us the best he can. So I can, I can can't speak highly enough about Donnie and the boat he's built. I mean, it's a our boat is a 2006. It's like I think it says 2000. It's like 2006 seven, 34 knot boat and 1950 weighs 88,000 pounds and it'll it rides crazy because for for that year that speed is. I mean, yeah, it must have been mind blowing. Yeah. Rocket so, shit back then, yeah. you know? Yep. And we got three and a half inch shafts. Like, it's a very overbuilt boat. Like, for a 64 foot custom boat, 85,000 pounds is pretty heavy. So, I I can't say enough about our boat, but I can't say I've never been on another casing boat. I just know that ours is awesome. Yeah. So, you got to kind of go and do your due diligence. I mean, some builders have better, better reputations for other than others for. A, a whole whole plethora of reasons so it's just something to think about um as, as you're looking at boats is you know they're not all all custom boats even from the same builder and all not the same because they're all when they're built they're built to the owner's spec and somebody might build a 60 spencer and say i want to yeah. do four, 40 knots and six footers and somebody else might build a 60 spencer and be like man i can do 27 knots where i'm taking the boat is going to be flat calm you know, and they could be built two different ways. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, look at Spencer. They were cold molded boats and now they're, they're foam built. Yeah. They're almost yeah. production boats. So, yeah. More production. Yeah. So, and then another, wouldn't you say that other than the hull and the boat itself, the, the next best, biggest thing is to think about the engines. Absolutely. There's yep. basically, and parts and especially, yeah accessibility and times like COVID when you can't get parts and if they're come from overseas or not, oh, battled yeah. plenty of battles with that. Yeah. You have, you have mans in your boat, right? MTU, but Tentris, you know, that was a refit during COVID and yeah, we needed parts from Germany and that was uh unpleasant. Yeah. So as far as power goes to the best of my knowledge, they're basically, four but basically three depending on how big of a boat jacob's looking at cummins will will be at the bottom end of the power spectrum um but they are they do put cummings in some low 50 foot boats and then but the three three major engine manufacturers are um caterpillar mtu and man and uh caterpillar being a domestic domestic builder um a lot of support here in the states and in central america for yeah. for caterpillar so um much much more reasonable as far as price goes as well yep parts service um i mean i don't yeah. i'm not speaking so much for mans because i've never really had mm -hmm. a man boat but at least i could between cats and mtu there's a big price difference yeah yeah you're gonna be um I will say that the the both the German engines, I, I the first boat I ever worked on, and we only put like two thousand hours on the boat when I worked on it, but it had fifteen fifty common rail bands, and that thing was it was a fifty six Viking, and it it was really really those things didn't miss a beat. But granted, they were it was brand new, so yeah. there's that. And then we in the Viking, 
we had the 12 e2000 mtus and i can't say enough good things about them engines like when they we you know 80 percent load all day they burnt fuel but it, i don't necessarily think it was for the engines as much as the boat they were pushing yeah um but when you had an issue like we didn't have a like now in ocean city with our cats we have a cat dealer right across the street i can call them get service quickly and there's a lot of people that are willing to work on it for mtus i had to call johnson and towers in new jersey or which is now johnson and towers or virginia beach but it was western branch like you know that would to think about that like they're driving three hours just to get to the boat and that's all time that they charge you know so when you have an issue they're going to come time down. they charge plus more expensive parts yeah. and yeah, adds they, up quick yeah. and then not getting parts you know we had an a year where the gear cooler wasn't like we couldn't find a gear cooler for our and we had to get it from germany yeah. and, and that was pre-covid and it still was like months yeah yeah and then so, do you want to ship it freight or do you want to overnight it and spend yeah. another x amount you know it's well you know yeah. you always want it quick you know yeah i mean i will say i i'm i'm okay happy with our cats you know and you gotta our experience with our the boats that we worked on you know there's a whole life that was before the boat we i've only ever worked on one brand new boat but there's a whole life of boats that or a whole life that the boat had before i got it and i don't necessarily know all the ins and outs of how our boat was treated all its life you know so i know that you know i've had great our our 12 e 2000 mtus were amazing like they were they did not break they leaked oil but I thought they leaked oil real bad. Then I got these cats and they leak oil. You know? yeah. So um, I, I was a huge fan of the, tw- the M91 12E2000s and our Viking. It was a great, great first boat for me to become a, a captain on because the engines just ran, you know. Um, and then our cats, they, they were good to it. They've been okay to us up until this summer. We're, we're having some issues with it. But, I mean, they're still do pretty well you know and i know that but the support is there so if we had the same problems with the mtus that we would have sold our viking way way before that i can't really speak to mans but i i i have a theory that the the german engines they're not they're they're gonna run like they're gonna run like you can run the the absolute shit out of a jerk one either or those the mans yeah. or the cats or the mtus i mean the german engines but a lot of them are only rated for five thousand hours life till a major overhaul so yeah. that's something to think about no, you can't cat- you, you can't knock the performance on mtu for sure you know yeah i mean even the new man's you know some crazy performance now but mtu definitely good on the performance end yeah so weird i don't think me and you are certainly not mechanics i'm pretty confident in my mechanical ability i'm a c32 huey now that's for sure but um just all things to think about like the german engines they can be pushed a little harder but when it comes time to work on them or service them they're going to be more expensive some of the newer german engines take synthetic synthetic oil um the cats are a little bit more lower performance not necessarily thinking that they can they're not like low performance but they're not meant to run at a high rpm and high load in my experience when you get them worked on they're uh they're across the street for me they're yeah. everywhere you know there's cat dealers yeah. and oh uh, yeah and convenience is you know people pay for convenience so yeah so and support so and cat's yeah. been good with the support so i can say that and i think people will be like oh man's burn a lot of fuel or mtus burn a lot of fuel but it's it i don't think it does it has anything as much to do with the engine in the boat as it does the boat that the engine's pushing you know like if it's if the mtu 12 e 2000 is pushing an 88 85 pound 56 footer versus a 60,000 pound 60 footer the 60 footer is going to burn less fuel you know because yeah. it weighs less and the does the custom boat is is better better design a more efficient design so yeah yeah so and then I, those are the two biggest things and the rest of it i mean you have to be re- very aware of the of all the stuff that's going to go wrong and just just make sure you know that things will go wrong because they are boats yeah you know, i don't 
I don't know a boat that like doesn't have issues constantly. Well, cool. That was a good topic. Uh, thank you, Jacob, for that. Yeah. Good luck with the search, Jacob. And if you yeah, keep have any other questions, what you find. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you uh, have any questions, just let me uh, let us know. We can try to help you out. I love to see people get into the industry and and stay in it as long as as long as they desire. So um, absolutely. Yeah, man. And do you want to do you want to touch on what uh, our guy Brent said in Bermuda? Just uh, asking you about your spread you were referring to uh, last pod. Yeah, um, Bryce. Bryce from the uh, uh, Brent. 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 Sorry, Brent from the chaos. Yep. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah. Just confirming your spread Brent, and. Yeah, Brent. Um, those. That spread is 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 for the uh is basically for the white marlin open in the mid-atlantic where the it's a kill tournament and you got to be ready for a 600 pounder to jump on the short rigger because on the blood money the the pitch bait is just another teaser like we're going to miss him on the pitch bait and then he's hopefully going to eat a short rigger um so but so basically our spread i love your confidence well we're over two on the pitch so far this year (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> shout out um, to his team yep uncle b donnie Mork. you know who you are so that's funny oh i'm sorry guys um so yeah we fish two bridge teasers typically flippy floppies and then two dredges as the teaser he, he was asking what was what were you pulling behind your flippy floppies as far as the chase bait or the, the yeah. short rigger chase bait um we fish natural everybody. or yeah, we fish one um, Express Islander Express with a Ballyhoo in it, and then another one. The pink chain has a. You're not allowed to a, say. No, I can say. Fuck it. <laughs> um, it's a it's a pink Express with a with a uh, with a twelve or sixteen inch mud flat behind it, with the peck fins cut off. Oh. Yeah. Well, the peck fin you got to cut the peck fins off because it look when it comes up it looks like there's a fin behind it. Yeah. So if you cut the peck fins off. You don't get taken by surprise. So screaming all day. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's what we fish. The 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 it's a it looks ridiculous. It's a giant mud flat behind a pink express, but we've seen a lot of blue marlins of that size. So that that is over a red squid dredge with with eighteen inch mud flaps behind it, and then the other side. Um, this last mid Atlantic, we had like a like a rubber fish slash my uncle makes a little thing called a crack minnow um crack minnow dredge with a blue with a blue flippy floppy electric blue flippy floppy and a, a blue white express behind it and then behind the teasers two short riggers pakula the lumos bracket and the moist j boy is what we were fishing there um and then we fished two two long riggers behind that because in ocean city on a regular year you're typically eight to ten times more likely to see a white than a blue so you kind of gear your spread to towards the the uh white marlins but you gotta i feel like you gotta have lures out there for a blue marlin to eat on his way out after missing the pitch because i don't know i just i feel like i know i've and it happened a lot of times this year um a couple people even got them Got him to the gaps, but but blue marlin, a a, a killable blue marlin, eight a dink rod, a dink a dink pole, and you know it's it's almost impossible. Happens, I I don't yeah, know anybody who, more time than than not, and I don't know anybody who's actually. And please, if if somebody knows somebody who's killed a, a money fish and has won money with it on a on a dink pole whether it be 60 or 80 pound leader please tell me because i i've heard this scenario and i've had it happen to me once on our old viking we fought one for four and a half hours and popped them off at the boat after four and a half hours had the gaffs out and that was like a 450 pounder maybe and i know people that got a couple like 500 pounders to the boat and some people that the the mama who got a 700 pounder to the boat got gaffs in it and the gaffs are down so um but that's the reason why the lures are out there is because i don't i'm trying to limit that happening but that that can happen you know 
sometimes the longer we pull them as as brett asked like do we pull the longer gears way back um i mean they're back there pretty far like you can get a longer bite without seeing it and it can be a blue marlin you know if you turn and you know your the weight bait falls down and you just somebody's like got a bite next thing i know it's a blue marlin um so that's our spread for these two tournaments and then come this come later in the year we'll probably just switch to four baits two flatline dink baits and two longer dink baits pull in the bring in the the dink, the dink baits a little further and then um more like a short rigger they're kind of right behind the teaser in a short rigger position and um and then feed feed blue marlins pitch baits and probably hope hope that they eat a dink pole on the way out <laughs> oh, there he is there's our anthony positivity so, yeah brent that's uh it's pretty simple four baits four teasers two dredges two two surface teasers two bridge teasers for the uh just regular white marlin slash blue marlin fishing and i i we basically fish like that anywhere we go other than in the white marlin open so i appreciate cool. the question brent yeah thanks both you guys thanks for the questions and keep them coming anyone else listening got any questions or thoughts for us or topics let us know at backlash radio i want to do a segment we should do it called things i saw on the internet i think it's a great segment because there's a lot of things that you see on the internet fishing oh that has to do with fishing we're all it's not that big that sounds like a whole episode yeah but we're gonna do a segment well then we better put our quick cut off on it because we could get on a long hole of that i guess the first one i mean we saw did you see the i don't know if we should talk about that there you go here's this one okay not this one (laughs) no because me and you might be we we can relate to this so the guy do you saw the two conks video the guy having a meltdown oh yeah so me and you are pretty intense people. And I feel like in my younger days, I might have had a meltdown like that if something like that had happened. And I, you don't know what the contexts are, but I don't see any excuse for it. Like we're not we're not out here saving lives, you know? Like you could just take a step back and put your emotions aside and try to try to salvage the day, whatever, however shitty that day. And my well, I'm sure when the guys in the blood money hear this, they'll be just be like, I'm full of shit, you know, like, because I used to be, I used to be Nick Carilla. I used to scream at the top of my lungs and have meltdowns. You never, you don't even know if I scream or not. I've I seen the video. It's on the intro. <laughs> this is bad. This is but, bad. Um, So I don't know. I mean, having a meltdown like that kind of sucks, kind of ruins the day. And I do remember one white marlin open we were kind of getting bites and uh at the end of the day that the bosses sat me at the end of the tournament the bosses sat me down and be like you need to relax here and that kind of changed how i did things because i was pretty wound tight and i just thought that's how fishing was before yeah. that like you just got yelled well, i mean at. i think that's kind of how we <laughs> grew up honestly i mean that's that's how i got whipped into shape but yeah it doesn't make it right by any means no i mean there's there's just ways to also go about it as well you know yeah obviously you can't you know put the person down you know you can there's ways to go around it yeah i mean i'm yeah i'm super supportive of my mate i'm super like you can do it you're doing great never heard that when i was a kid like yeah they were just like, oh, but look, you didn't, you didn't mess it up this time. So they didn't say. Good I think job. now it's better to just like bring the person up with you, yeah, and yeah. then talk about it. Yeah, I mean, in matters of safety, like you, you sometimes you have to bring a certain intensity to it, but you can't lose your cool. Like, there's a difference between being direct and and intense and trying to convey your point and the urgency of the situation, or versus like losing control completely you know and i've been i've been known to do both but i think i've matured maybe a little bit and i take a step back and try to 
figure it out because once you're like once you're out there and that and that moment's happened the whole day is fucking ruined yeah you know like yeah like unless your guys like my guys can laugh at me now they they prefer that i have a meltdown because they just laugh at me now but there was a time when nobody laughed yeah we gotta gotta have smiles yeah so i don't know that's uh hopefully we'll have something better on things i saw on the internet but i like it it happens i'm not segment i like it yeah I'm not I'm not casting dispersions on the captain. I don't know how his day was going before that, you know. So I'm just gonna but I just think it'd be be a, a different way that you could handle stuff like that, you know. I think those people had I accents from the British Isles. I don't think they'd ever been blue water fishing before, probably. Yeah, yeah. It's so, just a shitty situation, you know. Yeah. So and you know, I I will say that I empathize with people that work on center consoles too because like up on the bridge there's very there's less chance of that happening because there's not not to typically that many yeah, people you're not gonna have your on the bridge yeah you're not gonna have your charter throttle up like that yeah most likely you know so i don't know I, I i would say like like i said we don't know what kind of day he was having that's not the best way that's not the right way to react to it but you know we also don't know the full context so yeah but I don't know. I found that interesting. It was it was hard to watch, so I can imagine what being on the boat was like. So, yeah, but yeah. So things we see on the internet. If you guys have something that you find interesting on the internet, send it in, and uh, maybe we'll make a comment on it. But I watch a lot of fishing stuff on the internet when I'm not fishing. Which is oh, do you? That's you doing your free time. But yeah. When I'm not fishing in my free time, um, I guess I don't know. That's kind of it. Yeah. You got anything else? That's great, Jacob. Thank you for the question, and I think that the main, the moral of looking into to bigger and better boats is just try to be aware. Of, just try to get yourself a boat that's going to let you stay in the stay in the fishing as long as you you want to stay in, and not force you out of financial for financial or reliability reasons or things like that. And it's easier said than done, you know? So, but we appreciate the question and maybe we should get a broker on the, a broker or a builder on the pod, maybe help out with that. Oh boy. So. Well, good stuff. Like review, subscribe and check out hook optics and front runner boats. If you guys, have any boat or uh sunglass needs so thanks for listening thanks guys